This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Heavenly Father, may you grant that we may engage in contemplating the mysteries of your heavenly wisdom with increasing devotion to your glory and to our edification. In Jesus' name, Amen. 13 July 2013, it's my wedding day. It's a happy day for Collie and I. Now, I must admit that I forgot a lot of things about that day. I can't remember what the food tasted like. I can't remember everyone who came. But this is what I remember. I remember I wrote a song for Collie to surprise her. It's a song about how we met. And I put in, because we're Christians, I put in Ephesians 5 to, about husbands and wives in the song. So it's a very, very rich lyrics, full of meaning for both of us, full of theological truths, set to the tune of Beyonce's Single Ladies. The singing combines the mood of music with the tone of lyrics to share a memorable message. You see, we do this with our party songs, with my wedding song, and sometimes with our kids, with the alphabet song. So I shared my song. But I wonder what is Eric's song. So Eric is a friend of mine. He became a Christian in Polly, but his mother found out. And she was fuming. One day he came home to realize he's been kicked out of the house. He can't even enter the door. He's persecuted for his faith. And what's his song? Oh, what about Leah? Some of you may know that she was kidnapped by Boko Haram in 2014, who were family and abused by wicked terrorists to get her to convert to Christianity. Until today. Why? Because she refused to convert to uh, Islam. So she was persecuted for her faith. What's her song? Now some of us face persecution like Eric or like Leah. But some of us don't face persecution yet. But we need to know what song we can sing because the Bible tells us everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You may not face persecution like Eric or Leah now, but one day your relatives might make trouble for you because you will not burn joysticks. One day, your boss might rank you lower than your colleagues because you refuse to doctor the accounts. One day, maybe your best friend might cut off a relationship with you because she thinks you are homophobic and judgmental to her lifestyle. So how can we prepare ourselves to face persecution? Okay, so uh, we prepare ourselves by singing about God's salvation. Well, that's Habakkuk's way to sing about God's salvation. Well, to sing about God's salvation and persecuted. So in chapter, if you look at our passage, chapter 3, verse 1. Verse 1 says, A prayer of Habakkuk, uh, Habakkuk the prophet, on the Shigionoth. So some of you might see on your footnotes, uh, Shigionoth, if you have the Bibles, uh, it says, Probably a literary or musical term. So it's a uh, kind of like a 
a musical term that you see on your sheet music. Or at the end of verse 19, it says, for the director of music on my stringed instrument. So Habakkuk sets a tune to his prayer. He sings uh, this prayer. So let's, let's go through again uh, to see, let's go through this book to see why Habakkuk uh, wrote this song. Let's see. Okay, so that's a, uh, so far this book is about a dialogue between uh, Habakkuk and God. It's like a script of the play, like Shakespeare for, uh, for those lit students or for boring Godot from last week. Yeah, imagine, so imagine the scene. Okay, Habakkuk uh, is right here, he's on his knees, he's praying, and he says, he prays to God, God, why do you let me see your people persecuting the more righteous people? And why have you done nothing? Then God speaks to Habakkuk, and God says, Habakkuk, you ain't seen nothing yet. Look, I'm going to send the Babylonians to judge. Then Habakkuk prays again and Habakkuk says, God, how can you let that idolatrous nation judge Judah? They are wicked. They don't even worship you. And God, write this down for others to read. I will judge them. Trust me. So what's going to happen for the righteous is that they will suffer persecution from their own people after that, they will face the merciless Babylonians. It's tough times ahead. Tough times ahead for the righteous. So this song in chapter 3 will remind Habakkuk to trust God. To trust God to save him. So verse 2 and verse 16 and 19 are like the opening and closing choruses of the book. So a chorus is, is like the part of the song that we repeat. And verse 2 and verse 16... I repeat Habakkuk's hearing and Habakkuk's fearing. So this came up just now. So it says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. And verse 16, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips, quiv- my lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones. My legs trembled. So we look at the chorus together at the end of the talk. In between the two choruses are two stanzas. And these two stanzas remind Habakkuk of two things. So it's, it's in your outline. So first, stanza one. Salvation means God is the almighty annihilator. And stanza two. Salvation means God is the angry avenger. First, let's look at stanza 1. Salvation means God is the almighty annihilator. In the first stanza, we'll see why God is the almighty and then why God is the annihilator. First, God is the almighty. Verse 3. God came from Taman, Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and His praise filled the earth. God is so great that the heavens and the earth are filled with his praise. Everything in heaven and earth glorifies, everything praises God. In, some, in a small sense, Lee Kuan Yew is like that. So Lee Kuan Yew laid the foundations for Singapore to do well. 
So you could say Singapore is filled with his achievements or his glory. Now, God is greater than Lee Kuan Yew. You see, God didn't just lay the foundations. No. God made everything. God created heavens and the earth. He is the almighty God who created everything. But what if this almighty God decided to annihilate? What would happen? Let's look at verse 5 and 6. Do you see what it says? What will happen? Plagues and pestilence. God will use the worst natural disasters to annihilate. Now imagine all these disasters happening at the same time. Imagine earthquakes from Japan, the 2014 tsunami, locusts, drought, crop failures. Imagine all these disasters happening at the same time to the US, uh, to Europe, to China. And any nation, no matter how big they are, they'll be crushed like an ant under your foot. And now this is not just an empty threat. No. God is powerful enough to do this and God has done this before. So in the book of Exodus, the superpower then was Egypt. They had the best military technology, the fastest horses, the strongest chariots, and they made God's people slaves. And no one could defeat this superpower. No one, except a more super superpower. This is what God said in Exodus chapter 3. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. So what happened after this is God used plagues and pestilence with Egypt. Water turned to blood, frogs, flies, pestilence, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and the death of the firstborn. With all these plagues and pestilence, God brought the superpower Egypt down to her knees. Then, God's people could go free. Then they had an exodus from Egypt. So when Habakkuk talks of plagues and pestilence, what he's trying to say is this almighty annihilator will act one more time. He'll act one more time to save his people with another exodus-like rescue. That's why in verse 7, Kushan and Midian, they fear God the Almighty. They're like mere tents before God. So in verse 7, dwellings or median literally means tent curtains. So just one kick from God and the tent collapses. Just a gentle nudge and this tent comes crashing down. Stanza 1 reminds Habakkuk that God is the almighty annihilator. Friends, this is good news. This is good news for Habakkuk. That God is the Almighty Annihilator. Because God, the Almighty Annihilator, has power. Has power to punish even the powerful 
Babylonians. God, the almighty annihilator, will crush them like he did with Egypt. Now this, is, this might be surprising. We might think, God, the annihilator, is, is bad news. It's not good news. We would think, we like to think that if God, we think that it's good news if God were a, a cuddly teddy bear. That's good news for us. But friends, no cuddly teddy bear can annihilate God's enemies. No. Only the almighty annihilator can. So as Habakkuk sees the Babylonian armies attacking, he must remember, salvation means God is the almighty annihilator. Babylon will be devastated, just like Egypt. God's people will be saved, just like the Exodus. And God's people can be saved because God is the almighty annihilator. So in stanza 1, that's, that's what we see. Habakkuk sings about God, the almighty annihilator. Now let's look at stanza 2. Stanza 2 Salvation means God is the angry avenger. So in stanza 1, Habakkuk sings about God. In stanza 2, Habakkuk sings directly to God. He addresses God directly. So what he's he's singing is, You, God, you are the angry avenger. Let's look at verse 8. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses in your chariots to victory? In verse 8, God rides angrily on horses and chariots. Horses and chariots are fast and they are powerful war machines just like the fighter jets of today. And God drives these horses, these war machines, quickly and urgently to over the waters to the battlefield, to war, to victory, as if he were angry at the waters. Now, there's there's some echoes again back to what happened in the past. See, Victory, water, horses, chariots. Now this sounds like what happened at the Red Sea when God saved Israel from Egypt with water. So what happened then is Egypt, Israel had left Egypt and the, the exodus had happened, but now they are stuck. On one side, the, the Egyptian military was chasing them. On the other side was the Red Sea. And they were stuck. They had nowhere to go. They had nowhere to run. They cried to God, God, help! And God rescues them by parting the Red Sea. So the waters separate, the people cross over, on dry land. And the Egyptians, they try to chase after Israel. But God sends the sea, crashing down on them, and killed all of them. In Habakkuk's song, he uses, he uses the same kind of language to, re- to remind people that God is going to do a similar type of rescue. In Habakkuk's song, God will do a future rescue that sounds like the, the powerful rescue in the past. A powerful rescue that hasn't been repeated 
in magnitude or scale up to this point. God is going to use that same power to rescue his people one more time. And what does God do in his anger? How does he do this rescue? Let's look at verse 9. You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. Imagine this with me. God snatches out his bow and he calls for unlimited arrows to shoot at his enemies. Now God has been green-lighted to take out all targets to shoot on sight. God is angry and armed for war with weapons of mass destruction. That's why verse 11 says, Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. Now friends, no one, no one at all can stop the sun and moon from turning. No one can say, sun, stop, or moon, stop. But the sun and moon, when they see God's anger, when you see his arrows and his spear flashing past, even the sun and moon freeze in fear. I imagine uh, you are about to cross the road at the traffic light. So the green man is on, it's time to cross. Suddenly as you take a step towards the road, a, a red car flashes past, zooms past you, and you stop just in time. And for that brief moment, you freeze in shock, in fear. As you imagine, what would happen if you were just that little bit faster? Or what would happen if you just, you just took a wider step? That speeding car would have destroyed you in an instant. So the sun and moon, they freeze in fear as this, enra- as this enraged God angrily unleashes his unmatched military arsenal on his enemies. God's anger is so fearsome that even the sun and moon, even creation, gets scared. And how does this uh, angry God does his, do his avenging? Let's look at verse 12. In wrath, you strode across the earth. In anger, you trashed the nations. In anger, God treasures the nations. Okay, Trashing is like this picture. Okay, so you, uh, you see that there's a man over here. Okay, this is a man here on a chair. And there's a bull. There are bulls pulling the chair across. So as the, as the bull pulls the chair, the man sitting on this chair crushes the grains underneath him to separate the grains from the stalk. So God is using this picture to talk about his anger. God is crushing the nations in his anger. And this crushing has two purposes. To save his people and punish the wicked. More specifically, to avenge his people by punishing the wicked. So verse 13, you uh, you came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of the wickedness. You, you stripped him from head to toe. The God is the angry avenger. He saved his people while defeating his enemies. He shamed the wicked by leaving them naked. God will crush anyone who, op- who opposes his people. 
And in verse 14, with his own spear, you pierced his head. When his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though to devour the wretched who are in hiding. The, the enemies are gathered, are ready to strike. But what verse 14 says is God came and God defeated them with their own weapons. Imagine this with me. Now God, the enemy who has sighted Israel at a distance. So the enemy takes out his bow and arrow. He pulls the arrow back to, just, to give it just enough tension so that he can strike Israel at his heart. Just before he releases that arrow, suddenly God the Avenger appears. He snatches the arrow out of the bow and he stabs it straight into the enemy's head. That is what is pictured in verse 14. God is angry with the wicked Babylonians and he strikes them and he judges them just as they are about to strike. So that's how God saves. God is the angry avenger. For Habakkuk, this is good news. This is good news because God hasn't abandoned his people. God cares. God cares for his people. God cares. That's why he's angry with Babylon. That's why he's angry with Babylon for ravaging his people. So God avenges or God saves by judging Babylon. The judgment and salvation are two sides of the same coin. So either you're the side of judgment or your side of salvation. And we don't like to think of God as angry. We like to think of God as happy or as kind. We, we like to think that it's bad news when God is angry. But friends, if God wasn't angry, if God wasn't angry that Babylon was ravaging his people, then God isn't good news. God cares. God cares for his people. That's why he's angry. Salvation means God is the angry avenger. And God's people can be saved because he is the angry avenger. That's stanza two. Now, let's look at the chorus. Chorus, hear, fear, and have faith. So in the chorus, Habakkuk talks about what he has heard in stanza one, stanzas 1 and 2. So let's recap again. What is it that Habakkuk has heard? Stanza 1. Salvation means God is the almighty annihilator who powerfully destroys his enemies. Stanza 2. Salvation means God is the angry avenger who judges the wicked to save his people. So in the chorus... Habakkuk hears God's message in stanzas 1 and 2 and he stands in fear, fearful awe of God. So in verse, in verse 2, it says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. In verse 16, Habakkuk hears and, and fear takes over his whole body. So listen to how Habakkuk's whole body reacts in fear. I'll read verse 16 for you. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones. My legs trembled. 
every part of him shakes, quakes in horror. The senses one and two are so terrifying that even those who are going to be saved fear. Senses one and two about God's great judgment, about God's great power, is more petrifying than the might of the Babylonian armies. Senses one and two remind Habakkuk that God will judge and save, just as he did during Exodus. And that's what faith is. Faith is believing what you hear from God despite what you see. Believing what you hear from God despite what you see. So the chorus says, Hear, fear, and have faith. Hear, fear, and have faith. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 is a key verse in, Habakkuk, in, the, in the book. It talks about faith. It says, But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. The righteous person will live by his faithfulness to what God has said in Senses 1 and 2. They will hold on firmly to what God has said in Senses 1 and 2. That God will judge the Babylonians and save them. They will remember God's awesome power to save at Exodus. And they'll trust that God will save them once again with this earth-shattering power. And what does faith mean? From the chorus, Habakkuk explains to us, he fleshes out what does it mean to have faith. And he shows us in three ways. First, Faith means praying for vindication. Faith means praying for vindication. Let's look again at verse 2. Now the ESV for verse, for verse 2 is a bit clearer. And this is what it says. In the midst of years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk knows that this vindication, when God saves the, saves the faithful and judges the wicked Babylon, Babylon, this day won't come soon. It will take many years. Babakut trusts God's word he, and he prays. He prays that God will revive what he has said, to do what he has said, to, to save his people and to judge Babylon. And Habakkuk will keep praying over and over and over again until this day comes. He prays that God, in his wrath against the wicked, will show mercy to his people. He prays that God will save his people and judge Babylon. Faith is praying for vindication. Second, faith is Waiting for fulfillment. Waiting for fulfillment. Verse 16. Yet I will, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Wait. Wait for God's word to be fulfilled. Wait for the day of calamity to come on the Babylonians. Wait for God the judge to judge the Babylonians. Now, the day of calamity isn't the day when Babylon attacks. 
No, the day of calamity is when God judges the Babylonians. Now, on this day, on this day of calamity, God will save his people. Now, what does waiting look like? Now, waiting isn't, uh, isn't waiting for my instant noodles to cook. No, waiting is a, for waiting for a long time. Habakkuk waited a long time. He probably died before God defeated the Babylonians. But Habakkuk trusted God's word and waited and waited and waited. Faith is waiting for fulfillment. Third, faith means rejoicing in affliction. Rejoicing in affliction. Now, Israel during Habakkuk's time isn't like our day today. Israel during Habakkuk's time depended on farming. If their farms failed, people die. If their farms failed, people die. So listen to how this affliction will be when Babylon invades. Verse 17. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, no figs, no grapes, no olives, no grains, no sheep, no herds, Nothing to eat. Habakkuk is going to starve to death. But what does he say? Verse 18. Yet, even though I am hungry, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. So he's saying, even if I starve to death, I will rejoice. You might, you might ask, Habakkuk, how can you rejoice in such terrible affliction? The Babylonian siege has stopped the water to your city. Your plants have withered. Your livestock have all died. You have no food. You are going to die, Habakkuk. And it's not even your fault. How can you rejoice? Habakkuk will say, I will rejoice in God my Saviour. God said he was safe, and I trust, I have faith in his word. So that's why Habakkuk rejoices in affliction, as if, as if he is already saved. Because he believes God's word, that God will save. Faith is rejoicing in affliction. So let's think about what we have seen today. Habakkuk's song reminds Habakkuk and the faithful Jews about God's might, about God's anger at the wicked, about God's care for his people, and about their response to this angry yet caring God. And faithful Jews can sing this song in their future Babylonian invasion. And they must sing this song to help them to remember to remember God's powerful rescue in Exodus in the past. To remember God's future Exodus-like rescue. And to remember the response as they wait now. 
the response to pray for vindication, to wait for fulfillment, to rejoice in affliction. In Habakkuk's song, God is the angry annihilator, God is the almighty annihilator and angry avenger who will save his people and judge the Babylonians. And just as Habakkuk's song spurred faith, Christians can spur faith in song. But what should we sing in the reign of persecution when things become difficult for Christians? We sing about Christ the warrior. Revelation 19 talks about Christ as a warrior who fights for his people. Christ is on a white horse and is armed for battle. Let's read from Revelation 19. Verse 19. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. Christ's enemies are the beast and the kings of the earth and all their armies. So all of them come to fight Christ and his armies. And verse 20. But the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on his behalf. With these signs, he deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. Two of them were thrown, alive, were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Verse 21. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse. And all the birds gorged themselves on the flesh. I'm not sure whether you noticed, but in, this, in these verses... There, it makes a poor movie. There is no battle scene. There's no contest. What happens is, they come to fight, and Christ's warrior defeats all his enemies and all their followers to save his people. So that God will be with us. So that God can comfort us. A few chapters down, in chapter 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now with, his, with the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, God himself will be with them, and, will, and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Now the point of our singing isn't the singing itself. The point is to remember. To remember as we sing. The point is to have faith in God and His Word. To believe again what God has said. That He will powerfully save. Believe what you hear from God despite what you see. And this faith is not passive. This faith is active. This faith prays for vindication. This faith waits for fulfillment. This faith rejoices in affliction. Friends, on which side of this war are you on? I said before, judgment and salvation are two sides of the same coin. This means, if you are not on Christ's side, you are his enemy. You are fighting against him and you will lose badly. If you are not on Christ's side, then judgment awaits. 
As if we, and as we have seen, it's horrible, horrible to suffer God's judgment. Friends, if you are not on Christ's side, please, please trust, please trust in Christ to save you. Trust that Christ died to save you. Because for, for those of us on Christ's side, there is salvation as you persevere in faith in God's word. Now let's go back to Eric and Leah. Eric persevered in his faith. His Christian friends opened their humble HDB homes to him. Soon, his mother came to find, kind of find out a little bit more about this Jesus that, his, that her son believes in. And she became a Christian, followed by his brother. For Leah, Leah escaped the clutches of Boko Haram with two friends. And hungry and tired, they came to a family and asked them for help. But guess what? This family delivered her and her friends back to Boko Haram, back to a place of slavery. Some of us may face, uh, may experience a turn in our situation like Eric. Some of us will not, like Leah. Your family might still make things difficult for you because you refuse to worship idols. Your boss might still make work difficult for you because you refuse to lie for him. Your friends might still ostracize you because of your faith. But friends, have faith. Have faith in God's word. Have faith. He will powerfully save you. He will powerfully save you through Christ, the warrior. Friends, believe what you hear from his word despite what you see. Let me pray. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Heavenly Father, as we have heard from your word, please grant us the faith to trust you, to persevere in holding on to what you have said. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.